welcome to another episode of Idiopod. I am TJ Stone. I am Shane Glover. And we are so honored to have our special guest this episode, Bart Millard, the lead singer of Mercy Me. Mm-hmm. It was such a great interview. He was so giving of his time. We spoke for almost an hour and a half and so many cool stories. He, he unpacks a lot about uh, I Can Only Imagine mm-hmm. and what that song has meant to them. It's 20 years old. It's crazy. And then the film and, and how that's totally reinvigorated their, their careers sure. and uh, talked about faith, talked about family. Yeah, man. What was, what was some of the stuff that, uh, that affected you the most, Shane? You know, I think that it was, um, obviously he talked a lot. We, we kind of got into what was true in the movie, what was maybe a little dramatized for the movie, a little bit of that. Um, but just to hear kind of firsthand, even, even some behind the scenes of how, how life has unfolded for him yeah, and uh, for his family. Um, and then we kind of got into where's the passion coming from now Yeah, when, when, you know, by all worldly standards, you've kind of done it all yeah. <laughs> that you can do, especially through the Christian music scene. I mean, a couple times over. Exactly. At this point. Yeah. More than, more than most people would ever dream of. Um, and so it was good to hear, you know, a perspective of, of uh, where he's at now after doing it for so long. So, um, but like you said, it was just, uh, he, he gave us so much time, which was so kind of him. And, uh, it was, it was good just to chat with him. Yeah. And, and so, so cool that, you know, they almost hung it up five years ago. Right. And, and to see their career trajectory, so paralleling their own spiritual journey. Yes. And how cool that was and how God has redeemed many times over just just the path that they've been on and, and and just how he's continuing to give them as they are more spiritually healthy right and given a whole new lease on what grace really is totally how God is just continuing to to lay out the platforms for them to yeah. be able to speak that that truth absolutely and you know it's always fun to uh, one of my favorite things is always to hear how a song was written like yeah. how it came to be so we, we talk about that a couple times and um, you know, there's a there's a couple different camps on that. Like, it's one thing to say, "Here's what I was thinking, what I was going through." When I wrote the song, um, but man, it it has so much meaning in different ways to different people. And I think that I think that's the powerful thing about music is he may have written it for one reason, yeah. but another person, whatever they're dealing with in life, mm-hmm. this is what it means, and I think that's pretty cool. And it was cool to hear him as the artist and writer be able to speak to. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's some songs from their early days he, he wouldn't have written or wished he didn't right. write now but, right but that on the flip side that that he feels like where he's at now he couldn't have written the songs he's writing now yep 10 20 years ago absolutely and if we were songwriter well you are a songwriter but if that was our living we would probably all of us would say the same thing like oh, yeah. I, I wouldn't write something today that i may have written 10 years hopefully yeah hopefully you're not stagnant because that speaks to the amen. journey amen amen well, this was such a great, great conversation. We hope you enjoy it. For all things Idiopod, as always, check us out, idiopod.com. Like us on Facebook. We're on the Twitter machine, and we're on Instagram. Yeah. Check us out. Enjoy the episode. All right. Welcome to another episode of Idiopod. I am TJ Stone. Shane Glover. Good to see you. And we'll we hear you. Yes. <laughs> Uh, have the ear holes open for this one. 
because we are here with Bart Millard, not Millard, Millard. Correct. Yes. From Mercy Me. Thanks so much for uh, talking with us today, Bart. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for asking me to be a part of it. So I never, uh, yeah, I never get to do it with people that I remotely know. So <laughs> this, is, this is nice. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, man, I mean, it, it's an interesting relationship for me because we've talked like two or three times yeah. briefly, mm-hmm. but I, I know Charlie really well. Yes. Uh, I've actually been to your house when you were on tour, uh, taking him out to Bishop's <laughs> for some creepy. fried chicken. Right? Yes. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's Charlie's my son, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Let's clarify a little <laughs> yeah. bit before I, we get too far down the hole. Here. I, I was, I was his youth leader. I know. It's not oh yeah. It's saying my 12 year old son does not make it any better. <laughs> Wait, is this on? <laughs> Maybe this should have been uh, the test. We can cut that out. No, we can it's, cut it's youth mm. ministry. Yes. 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 So. It is interesting, and I have a particularly interesting relationship with your band because mm-hmm. I grew up listening to Southern Gospel, mm-hmm. and then secular music was always separate because mm-hmm. I grew up in there of, you know, like Carmen and all that totally. stuff, and, and I always thought that the Christian pop music was kind of just wasn't my thing. Right. But then I can only imagine hit. And the only way I heard it was because it crossed over. Right. And it was on the alternative station I was listening to with my Matchbox 20 and all that stuff. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it crossed over to like Southern Gospel, which is, <laughs> oh, no, I think it did. Probably. It probably did. The guys did it. It probably sure. did. But yeah, like it was like that song was like, oh man, this is a different, this is like the music I was listening to, but it's actually got the heart connection with. Mm-hmm. With with God and, and and how you know I resonate with the gospel and uh, yours was the only Christian record I ever bought until I married my wife when I was thirty. No way, are you oh, really for Smokes. real? Dang the the yellow one. Yeah, had, almost had there. The yeah. yeah, yeah. It was the only Christian record I ever wow. bought, and uh, so that that definitely has a place in my in my story yeah, and in my really heart. Cool. Uh, and then mostly what I know about you, and I don't even know how true it is, uh, mm-hmm. uh, is from the, the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's about as accurate as you can get cramming 25 years of your life in about two gonna, hours. That's yeah. what I was going to say. For the, mo- the parts that mattered, like the, the emotional parts, uh, those are all about as accurate as I can remember. But like yeah. time frame is, you know, everything looks, looks like it happened in about a year and it's probably more of like a six year period yeah, and stuff sure. like that. It's all compressed is what it is. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so tell us a little bit, you grew up in, in Texas. Yeah. I grew up in Greenville, Texas, about 48 miles Northeast of Dallas okay. and born and raised, lived there until about six years ago, I moved to Franklin. So I've lived there my whole life. Oh, wow. And, uh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And, and my that. wife, Shannon, uh, Grew up there. She, her parents were my second grade Sunday school teacher. Oh, wow. Um, she was my first girlfriend in seventh grade or, yeah, something like that. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's, that's all we kind of knew. Lived, you know, just minutes from our families and, and, um, gosh, and, and, and it was, it was, it was fine until, um, I sound, it's, it, I, I don't want to sound like arrogant, but it, it was fine until we started seeing some success. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden the hometown boy was like, just became incredibly accessible to everybody. Oh, like yeah, it was yeah. like, Hey, I remember when you were in third grade, can I stay in your backyard in my tent? You know, it was like, what's going on? Like Wait. just got real, just oh. had some pretty, you know, just, uh, yeah, just a lot of people just, everybody kind of felt like I, I knew you win. Right. And so it was like, right. dude, there was no, if we would never go out to eat cause no boundaries. All, yeah, Man. yeah. And it was okay for a while, but then it was just like, I found it. I didn't th- realize how much it, it, uh, took a toll on me until, 
like, I mean, you guys know Charlie is identical to me, yes. like the most outgoing, everybody's a friend, sweet, sweetheart of a kid. Yes, like he's he identical is. to me. And what, and, um, didn't realize Shannon probably noticed more of it. I just, I became an introvert because everybody wanted something from me. Sure. Mm. And, uh, and so just kind of hit a little bit of a rock bottom about, and that was about six years ago when we were like, you know what, we just need to, I'm always coming here anyway. And so we're like, we just, it's, it's going to get harder if Sam gets a little, our oldest one who was 12 at the time, it's only gonna get harder. So we decided to move and kind of, you know, and struggle on our own away from built-in babysitters two minutes mm-hmm. away and and it was hard when we first got here but it's i mean i i couldn't be happier it's i love this place so much yeah, yeah. Too. there's something special about franklin there really is no doubt yeah <clears throat> we moved here the first time about 14 years ago and uh we visited once real quick and mm-hmm. we're like well this is where we're moving yeah obviously yeah <laughs> It's, so it's amazing, and everybody that like, I mean, the downtown's like a Norman Rockwell painting, and oh, it's beautiful. It's just, everything about it's great, and when friends yeah. have come through or whatever, it's it's like everybody says it. It's like, man, there's just it's there's something great about it, you know. We love it, and it feels, and and this has been my my observation, mm-hmm. not my experience, but I would be curious to your uh, experience with it. Is it seems like there is plenty of quote unquote celebrity around, sure. and they're pretty well. Yeah, that's. I mean, we kind of gathered that before we ever moved here. Was that um, it's not uncommon to to uh, to see people walk around Franklin or yeah. whatever, and uh, and so for what I don't know if that's because of that. It's just no. Everybody's kind of st- kind of yeah. stays in their lane. And, yeah, and there'll be people from time to time will talk to us, but it's like the way I see it is like we're the one. The in our small town we grew up in, it's like we're the one kind of band yeah. whatever you want to call sure, it sure. amongst all of them and we're just a one of about a million here and so, oh, so it's just yeah i totally get the whole birds of a feather flock together like i, I see <laughs> yeah, why people yeah. live in the similar community and stuff like that because it's just it's just easy to get around and yeah. i'm actually proud of franklin and nashville for that reason yeah it just feels like whatever level of, of success you may have reached you're you you're allowed to live yeah totally yeah. you know and i'm that's kind of my personality i am like so anti walking up to someone right oh, i just can't oh, yeah. it just gives me chills almost yeah I'm like gosh leave them alone yeah yeah we had we had uh, a shannon had a group of her college girlfriends that came in last weekend and somehow they convinced me to drive them to famous people houses <laughs> and i don't know like i was like i don't really know any and so uh, uh there's a couple of country people that i've had a chance to write with so um, i texted them i was like hey man um i really need to look good here so do you have any <laughs> they gave me all these addresses That's of people fantastic. that they didn't really like and they were like if you want to egg their house and i was like <laughs> and so and some they did and so we were driving uh-huh. around i was like i've stooped to a new low but it was like uh you know a couple of a couple of them were were out and about and it was just you know i just i had to keep my the friends that were with us were a little I had to calm them down but it was like it was just nothing they were yeah. walking down main street or whatever it's no yeah, big deal totally yeah i remember <laughs> one of the first times i i started coming up here before i ever moved here i i met a guy who was kind of on the fringes of the music industry mm-hmm. and he took us to uh, tim mcgraw and kenny chesney's house and it, of course you could just see through the gate right right you know yeah. but i was like so cool he knows where they live yeah Man, there's a couple I didn't realize. Like, you know, Dolly Parton's like a quarter mile from here. Oh, oh really? I had no idea. I didn't either. I figure she still lived in Gatlinburg. No, no, she, I mean, I'm sure she has multiple places, but where she lives is a little house not far from here. Oh, wow. We oh, drove gosh, by there, and that crazy. was the one I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. yeah. I was like, kind of, you know, geeking out yeah, there. Totally, but, totally. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. So I'm, I'm curious, 
what was your relationship? Because obviously you come up in, in Christian music, mm-hmm. and it seems like that that was always singing was was a big thing, and singing specifically for God was right. was probably something that was very shaping in your story. When did music first enter your story? Man, uh, my mom and my dad are both, you know, could sing. My mom was a twin that when they were real little, like made little records and stuff like, you know, the lollipop and Mr. Sandman, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And so my dad could sing, but he never really did. But I guess I got it from them. And and I, uh, when my parents, uh, they divorced when I was three. And um, and so I have a brother that's five years older. And so we kind of, it's funny because in the movie, he's not in the movie because all that story kind of started when I was in seventh grade and he had just left for college. Gotcha. So, yeah. Anyway, but my brother and I were, it was like the wonder years. Like we were very close and, mm. you know, and, and um, he introduced me to Electric Light Orchestra at ELO. Yeah, and, man. Um, nice. And I just remember hearing like, don't bring me down, Mr. Blue mm-hmm. Sky. And I was just mesmerized. Never heard anything like it. And so to this day, I'm like obsessed with them. And um, they were kind of my first, my Beatles experience, mm-hmm. I guess. And then. So I just got obsessed with music and just through all the t- the hard times with my dad and, and just uh, it, music became an escape for me. Like, um, mm. you know, from if he, you know, wherever he was, he was typically angry. I would be somewhere else just trying mm-hmm. to yeah. escape from it. And so it wasn't until probably sixth or seventh grade uh, when somebody, I was old enough to go to a youth group, somebody invited me and I went to church whenever, whenever somebody would take me, my grandmother or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then and you and we I, somebody paid for me to we were broke and somebody paid for me to go to church camp and so i didn't want to go well no i i was kind of hesitant but it was a week away from my dad so like i'll go and um and so i went and it was just you know like any sixth or seventh grade i think seventh grade it was just life-changing you know i was like i don't ever want to leave you know and it's first time i ever heard anybody lead worship i think it was al denson or something like that maybe and nice. um and uh and I just I didn't even know that that existed other because I, I grew up in a real like small Southern Baptist church and sang hymns and had an organ and a piano and mm-hmm. that was it and uh and so I was like what in the world is happening and so I I started like look, realizing that there's this kind of Christian market you know this industry I didn't know about and so I started like riding my bike to the Christian bookstore every week and would you know I don't know if you remember I don't know how old you guys are but you could collect like four stickers and they would give you, they would be a sticker on each album. If you collected them, four of them would get you a free album. Oh, heck yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Heck and so yeah. I would just, I would just keep going, keep going. And, and like, uh, and then, you know, I think Petra More Power to You is my first one I've actually got on my, nice. my own money. And, um, uh, and just, I became obsessed with that. And just because of the gospel, I was 13 when I came to know Christ and, and it was just, it was, it was life changing mm. for me. Um, and, uh, it was like it was literally like shelter and like a refuge what I was going through, and so the church literally raised me from that point on, and um and so the music it all just kind of felt like it was all together. Like I didn't know music like that could exist, and you know I'm finding comfort in Mr. Blue Sky or whatever. I had no idea there was music that actually would you know kind of bring a sense yeah, of comfort. Yeah, totally. And um and so yeah, I just became a product of the system. Like I know way too much about Christian music. Like was obsessed with it, and like like I was the opposite. I wouldn't listen to anything else but Christian music, hmm. and um. And, uh, and then, you know, never dreamed. I mean, I may have dreamed of doing this, but it's not something you go, hey, I think I'm going to be a Christian singer or whatever. I thought I was going to be a youth pastor. And that was mm. what my best friend who was two years older, we all, that's what we were, everybody was like, I'm going to go to college, go to seminary, be a youth pastor. Mm-hmm. And so that was the plan for me. And, and uh, when I graduated high school, uh, my father passed away my f- uh, November of my freshman year in college. Mm-hmm. And um, and he when he passed away, it was kind of like, just kind of had this moment of, it's like now or never. And he, and by that point he was just unbelievable. And he was like, man, don't let anybody stop you. Follow your dreams as crazy. They are just go for it, go for it. 
so everything had switched. And so I was like, yeah. whatever. Uh, I think my grandmother, she was going to pay for my college. Wow. And I was like, so I went like a couple of semesters and hated it. Like I'm still a sophomore, I think maybe technically uh, keeps me young, but, uh, <laughs> and I told her I wanted to take a semester off and, and so she, she just like, well, th this is the money I gave free for college. She's like, if you, if you know what your passion is, you can use it towards that. And so that my college money is what I like, got our first trailer and started the band and all that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, just kind of went for it. And, um, and we played every, I mean, we started in 94 and, and up until 2000, we made like six records and played wherever there was a disciple now or a lock-in mm -hmm. or wherever they would sure. have us. And, and, um, just thought, you know, I'll do this until somebody tells me to grow up. And yeah, totally. so far, nobody's told me that yet. <laughs> yeah, were you, were you self-producing all those, those first records? Yeah. Or? Our keyboard player, a guy named Jim Bryson, he was him and myself and Mike Schweitzer, we started the band together and, and Jim, uh, I was in Florida and Mike was in the youth ministry. He's two years younger than me. And, and by the time he graduated, well, I was there, I was a freshman in college. So when he graduated, when I was a sophomore, I convinced him, Hey, uh, and those mission trips where I was talking about right where I met Chloe's mm -hmm. dad. Yeah. We had uh, met this guy named Jim Bryson who lived in Oklahoma where this ministry was based out of. And we hit it off and this, we were in like, like in Switzerland or somewhere doing a camp for missionary kids. And, um, and we we're like, man, this would be amazing. We led worship together and loved it. Mm -hmm. And we're like, man, what if we tried to do this for real? And, and, um, and so we thought, well, I lived near Orlando It'd be if 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 you know, we, we're kind of we we're really thinking highly of ourselves. If we really hit it, it'd be better to be centrally located. So we moved to Oklahoma City, mm. and I Mike had just graduated. I said, "Hey, dude, only child." I said, "Hey, he was in a worship band in Florida." I was like, "Hey, I think we you need to pray about doing this. We need to move to Oklahoma and try to start a band." Like, what, what year was this? This would have been ninety. Uh, this would have been like May of '94 because we moved and kind of the band started like. August of 94 when we did our first show together. So, so that was wow. like right before the big Oklahoma City bombing. Well, we were there for that. Oh, yeah, wow. we were there. So maybe it was 93. But yeah, we were we were, we were were there when all that happened. Wow. And, and, uh, and so Mike literally graduated a couple months later, packed his car, moved away, and he was scared spitless. Like, sure. was like you know. And so we got out there and just started, you know, wherever they'd have us. And Jim was, uh, he went to Full Sail, this producer's thing in Florida. And we, we rented an old daycare center. It was abandoned. Talked the owner into we'd clean it up. We could live there. So three of us lived there, and we it was, it was very similar <laughs> living in this kind of room. And and uh and we made our albums. That we made a six four uh five or six albums there over the years. And My just, word. And uh, yeah. And then labor of love. Yeah. And then the last independent record we made, we just just we wrote. I can only I wrote I can only imagine because we had a superstitious thing about we didn't want ten songs that had to be eleven for some reason mm -hmm. we had to be an even number it's okay. so weird so we need one more song and so I wrote Imagine right before we were done ran out of money to pay for the studio time or whatever and wrote it the night before recorded it and then everything else in the album was like verse and like word, it was all for uh, church camps like if it fit on PowerPoint mm -hmm. it was a verse and yeah, chorus totally. singing a million times over and over well mm -hmm. Imagine didn't fit that so we never played it live it was just to be the 11th song and wow. so we went about a year without ever playing it until somebody oh, at camp said hey right. could you just play it during the altar call and, and just had no idea I mean it was special to us but didn't yeah. we didn't have a clue so did that song what was the process of writing that song did it did it have much to do with your relationship with your dad yeah it totally did it, it was um, he um, when he um when my dad passed away in 91, like that's like the movie feels like I wrote the song like four minutes after he died. But, yeah. Uh, he died in 91. I wrote it in 99. Mm -hmm. Okay. But, um, it, my grandmother had said something like, I can only imagine him, what he's seeing now. And mm -hmm. I became obsessed with, um, uh, I, if I was on the phone, if I was waiting anywhere with a pen, I would write, I can only imagine down anything I get my hands on. Yeah. 
just doodling and for literally for all those years i bet i wrote it a million times like it was wow. just it was like you know some people play around with their autograph or whatever i would just write i can only imagine on everything like a mantra almost yeah for and it, it was just it was just what she said because and it wasn't like i was super spiritual it was just as a 19 year old yeah. i finally kind of got the dad i wanted and then he was gone and so it was easier to i became obsessed with heaven because that was easier to cope with in an empty bedroom yeah, yeah. sure so your dad come to know christ how long before he passed um I would say probably within two years before he passed away is when mm-hmm. our relationship just kind of flipped. And it was like, you know, like a, you know, I was ready to see him go before that. Sure. And then, uh, then yes, yeah, some gradual transformation took place to where it was like, it was, yeah, he was, he was, by the time he passed away, one of the godliest men I've ever known. Wow. Like it's just, and, you know, and it's, when it's that com- compact and compressed, <laughs> you, the, it's pretty obviously a change. Yeah. It's uh, incredible. So yeah, so it was, it was a, it was a a new feeling when he passed away of like happy and angry and confused. It was, you know, I never thought my whole life that I ever care that my dad, you know, most of the time I wished he wasn't there. And so, uh, so I got obsessed with, I would just write that down. It was kind of, it became almost like a OCD kind of thing for Mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and I had these handful of journals that I just always carried with me and, and in 99, um, I guess it would have been, yeah, 99, we were needing one more song. And so uh, Imagine would be all over every page of every book, anywhere, just was everywhere. And one, we were on a bus, and we were heading home. We had this old, nasty bus that was gutted. It was just an empty wooden shell on the inside. We put plywood <laughs> up, and we just had enough to buy mattresses to lay side by side. All The whole floor was just like one giant mattress. Oh, wow. And we'd take turns driving this five-speed or three-speed trans- manual 72 Silver Eagle in a we went and did a show somewhere. And we were driving back to, uh, uh, we're driving back to Dallas at this point because we had just moved to Arlington to start working with a ministry outside of Dallas. And we're like, hey man, tomorrow we got to move out of our little building. It'd be like making an album here. Um, I said to actually, we were about to run out of money. No, the studio was free. We had to be out before church on Sunday morning. Oh, and so it'd be like using this, but hey, you got to be out. Oh yeah, use it. Sure, so. Sure. So we had an hour, like a few hours before the morning service, just to pack up. And and I, I the night on the bus that night, a lot like the movie, I, I was looking for a blank page to start writing ideas. And imagine it was on every page, and, and and it just and all of a sudden it kind of clicked. I'd never paid attention to it before, and I was like, oh man, maybe, maybe yeah, I should go there. And it's something that had been in my heart for years, mm-hmm. every every line in there. And and so it took about five or ten minutes to write, and wrote it down, and and I was like. I kind of was freaking out because it, it just, I mean, it was just, I guess, a cool poem at the time. I was like, oh, my gosh, like hardly any mistakes. And I was trying to show the guys, like, oh, great, great job. I just didn't get it. It was right. huge to me. And yeah. so that next morning we got together and tried to make it a song, and Delirious was huge back then. And so everything was like a house beat and I wanted to be upbeat. And I was like, no, that's not it. And so and so I just got frustrated. I said, forget it. we got to pack up and move. And then Jim or somebody, I think it was Jim, he hit those first three notes of Imagine. I was uh-huh. like, stop. And so I went back and started trying to learn. I don't play piano very well. I was like, you know, what, and started kind of hashing through it. And so we recorded a version of it really quick and put it on there. And, uh, and you know, just, it was kind of, it's just, it was just a good feeling to kind of finish a thought like, mm-hmm. oh, we got it done. Great. And, yeah. but I yeah, had no idea, no idea what was taking place. Oh, or, how could you? Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, we were real, we we're real smart. <laughs> then go a year without ever, <laughs> ever playing it. Or <laughs> left, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, we, we did that and and then yeah it was just i think a just one thing led to another and yeah so know. how how what was the the through line from that song to major record deal and suddenly your platform's much bigger we um uh we about 90 
a couple of years before we wrote that song, we lived in Nashville for one year because everybody said to come here and do a showcase. And so on our other previous independent records, we ended up, we were leading worship at, a, I think it's Life Point in Smyrna now. It used to be First Baptist Smyrna. And uh, the pastor there, the youth minister there was the youth minister of my church in Texas. Uh-huh. He was Shannon's youth pastor. When he moved here, I was like, well, I know that guy. Yeah, and totally. so we followed him here. He's now the pastor, Pat Hood. And um, so we, he just like, hey, y'all just lead worship here. So we would, that's kind of where we lead on Wednesdays just to have something to do when we lived here for that year. And somebody said, hey, you need to do a showcase, get the labels out. Well, so we're like, okay. And, and so we got some to agree. They wanted to do it at some club, and we convinced them to come to the church because we could tell these two or 300 kids, act like we're the Beatles, go nuts, like yeah. act like we're awesome. you know. And sure enough, we got a few labels to come out, and they flipped out, and the kids, I mean, the kids went crazy and loved it, and we only had like 10 songs, original songs, so we did a lot of covers of worship stuff back then. And, and when we finished our 10, we left, and the kids were cheering so much, they want an encore, and we're like, shut up. Like, we don't have an encore. <laughs> like, they're overdoing it. Yeah, yeah. And their labels, just, these labels are waiting, so we had uh, to go back up, and all we knew to do was to lead worship that we did every night for these kids. Yeah. Well, the second we do that, it's like a whole other level. These kids yeah. know every word. Oh, wow. And so we leave the stage, and we're like, they're singing, like, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away my sins, and this acapella just doesn't stop. And, and for me... Like stepping off, it was such a moment that I remember being in tears, going, "Man, what are we doing trying to write, you know, Pearl Jam songs or whatever?" When this is obviously, you know, there's something special, yeah. and and I and I thought it was like a breakthrough moment of, man, I've never. It was just a really cool moment. And the labels came back and said, "Hey, man, everything was pretty cool, but that worship stuff, we don't know how we can sell that. That's what integrity does. Like back then, nobody right. was doing worship, right. yeah. and so I was like, what? And it really ticked me off. Like mm-hmm. it was like it, I, I was offended by it. So yeah, sure. So we decided just to, the labels, we're, we're not supposed to be here. And so the next morning we are like, we're going to, we, we'd gotten an offer to travel with, it used to be Dawson McAllister back in the mm-hmm, day. And sure. a guy named Mark Matlock was doing it at the time. He's taking over. They were out of Dallas and they offered us a job to just kind of lead worship and travel with them. But we'd have to move to Dallas where I was from. So I was cool. So we decided, forget the label, we'll move there. So we went into that and, and just for two, well, for four years we were with them. And um, so... About 99, we're right, we had one more year with them was when we wrote Imagine. And we were getting this kind of, uh, you know, coast-to-coast kind of little following because we we'd always play in the same little area all the time. But mm-hmm. They were getting us everywhere. Oh, sure. And so it was like, man, it's before social media stuff. It's like, man, these people keep showing up to these shows. And, and um, we got a phone call while we were on the road from Amy Grant called. And, and uh, I thought they were messing with me because I was sure. a huge Amy Grant fan. And so I hung up on her. I thought it was like I was the van. <laughs> She called back, don't hang up. And I'm like, you know, who is this or whatever? And she that, goes, that makes the end of the movie, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so she was like, don't hang up. She goes, I know this is crazy. She goes, but somebody, somehow she heard the song and she goes, I just, I couldn't stop listening to it. And she's like, I just want to know if I could ever record it. And we were so done with labels. We were like, man, gosh, we were trying to do the math, like a heart in motion, baby, baby. Like, <laughs> gosh, if I ever have kids, they're going to college. So of course, like, yeah, do whatever. Yeah. Cause I think we've taken, we've gone about as far as we thought we were going to go. Cause mm-hmm. signing wasn't an option. And, um, and so she, uh, she took it and then took for, she took about a year trying to get her album going at the time. And, and, but in, within that year, there was a big buzz around Nashville that, cause Amy had kind of, she'd gone through the divorce mm-hmm. and just married Vince and it was like they were treating it like this weird comeback, like this is her next yeah. El Shaddai. Oh. And so we didn't live here, but there was all this buzz here. And we started getting these phone calls going, hey, we heard that you wrote Amy's next big hit. And we're like, uh, uh, well, and we're like, have you heard that that's going to be the single? We didn't know. And yeah. they were like, so we started getting all these, like, we want to talk to you. And and um, 
and so and we were still trying to figure out like what we want to do and we were at the time we were we were we were doing about 250 shows a year on our own we were shipping our CDs to about 400 different bookstores out of my wife and I out of a garage and we were trying to do everything ourselves it was killing us and so I uh, our Brickles our manager and and he was managing Audio Adrenaline and he was the one guy that said hey man just stay in touch you know if you ever need any que- have mm-hmm. any questions and he shouldn't have done that because I wore him out dude just like <laughs> And I was like, I always had questions like, man, you got to slow down. Like, you know, cause he was hoping there'd be like a record deal involved and he just had this snot nosed kid asking him stuff. Was <laughs> he the guy that Trace Adkins plays uh, in yeah, the movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was wondering if that was a real guy or no, an amalgamation. They, of no, they look like people. brothers. That's they, really? yeah, oh, they're, that's funny. they're both giants. And, wow. uh, and so, uh, yeah. And so, uh, that, yeah, that's Brickle. And, and so he, he was, I was like, man, I'm, we're killing ourselves. I think we, we may hang this up because it's just, it wasn't the shows. It was just like, we can't keep this up. You know, I can't be gone 250 days a year. And, and so he said, well, there's these, there's a couple of guys that are doing these labels differently. It's a different uh, business model to where it's more of a partnership. It's not like being taken advantage of like mm. most record deals. And so it's like, if, if the band is able to cover the budget, he'll cover everything else. And like, and they, he had done it with like Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. And mm-hmm. so, and um and so his name's Jeff Mosley and and uh, I called him I got his number and I called I was like hey Mr Mosley I'm Bart from Span Mercy Me I started telling this stuff and he like interrupted me he goes hold on a second and uh he got he's on the other line he comes back and goes now what'd you say and I was like well with this band where we've sold like that that Imagine album when we're independent like if we sold a thousand CDs in a year it was um it was a, we could pay the phone bill. We were, mm-hmm. that, that's, we, and we thought that was okay. We, we could, it, as long as we could pay enough, if we could make enough to do another show or another album, that was it. Sure. Well, that album, the worship project that the original imagine on it sold like 130,000 units oh in that gosh. year. Wow. And which was like, you know, as far as what you put in your pockets, the equivalent of like a million albums on a label was how much they take from it. And so it was, you know, this is back when CDs were 19, 20 bucks mm-hmm. a pop. And, right. Yeah. And so we we're like, man, so we had the money to do it. And he just couldn't believe. He thought that we were embellishing the numbers. And I said, and Amy Grant want, wants it, and we just don't know what to do. And, and that was like on a Tuesday. And by the following Monday, he was in Dallas with a record, a recording contract. And we're like, what's happening? Like, what, why? What, uh, you know? And he said, well, I just want to tell you, when you called me, he said, I was, he'd done this business model with a, like Brooklyn Tab, established ministries. And it worked great because they had money to fund their side of the deal. Right. He said, he goes, I was on the phone literally praying with my wife. Uh, of if God would just clear a way to do it with a new act, oh a new artist, gosh. and he goes and you called, and so I just got back and said, I think I think the prayer's been answered. I'll call you back. And he hung up and he said, I listened to your songs or whatever, and he flew directly out and he goes, this is this is I don't know how we're going to do this, but it was we're wow. supposed to do this. Wow. So we were the first one we ever signed. We're still with him today. We've never it's, it's our same label president and and um and so and. Yeah, it, and it, it, we we were about to sign the deal, and we said, "Now you know that like he he wanted us to get Imagine back, and we're like, we can't do it. Like mm-hmm. we told, and it was real. I guess we could have, and people have done worse things. We we're like, it was kind of our word. Like felt gross. Yeah. yeah. And so he's like, "Are you kidding me?" And I was like, "Man, I'm sorry if we misled you." He's like, "No, no, it's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll." And so he had this big game plan from the writers of Amy's hit song Imagine. We'll just we'll use it as a springboard. And, Sure. But then Amy took a year to make her record. Like we'd finished, we'd made a whole new record in the time we were waiting for her, and so she was killing our plans. Oh yeah. So Gosh. we had to release, and we released some song, some awful single. The first one, it was back when Prayer Jabez was a big deal. So he convinced us to write one to go with that, and it was terrible. Oh yeah, and I so, know song. yeah, yeah. So <laughs> God bless me indeed. Yeah. And uh, we released it. It did awful at radio, and we were selling less records signed than we were when we were independent. So we thought we made a huge mistake. Mm. 
And my, Jeff, our president, he was like, okay, the next single, we'll get them. Don't worry, we'll get them. And so we were about to send out the next song. And the night before it was going out, Brickle, our manager, every once in a while, I would call Amy's whole camp and say, hey, any word on, like, are you ever going to finish this yeah, thing? Right. We're dying out here. And he called her manager, and Amy happened to be there. She, and she grabbed the phone from manager and told Brickle, she said, um, um, they, need, they need to take this back and run with it. And he's like, what? And she goes, it's a career song. She goes, it's going to change their life. And she said, I've even, she's even tested hers at different stations. They're like, man, we've been playing the bands for a year or so. And so she literally gave it wow. back to us the night before the single was going to really, the next single was going to radio. So back then it was, you'd burn a CD and mail it. And so we spent the whole night calling radio stations because you'd automatically get their voicemail and say, hey, uh, don't play it. Just give us another week. Do not play that song tomorrow morning or in the morning, whatever. Yeah. And so then we spent the rest of the night burning CDs oh, and getting them sent out. Because you just and had a demo version, right? It wasn't like yeah. A well, we we did it. We 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 were allowed to record it on our new album, but it was a B side. It was going to be oh, her okay. single, and okay. so it'd be like you know whoever wrote Amarillo by Morning put it on his record as a mm -hmm. songwriter, right? Yeah, you know. yeah. And so it was allowed to be on there, and we did it. And luckily we did, and, and I think Jeff, our president, he was like, man, it, you know, nothing is set in stone until it's released, so he wanted it on there in case. Smart man. Be, and she was kind of getting hammered with the whole divorce thing back then and stuff, yeah, and it sure was really yeah. hard. I mean, it was it was sad, really, but uh, and so just she gave it back. It was already on there, so we sent it out, and it just, uh, and then it, it just, yeah, it just, wow. it took off, and and uh, and I'll never forget the coolest part, and it, I think it talks about in the movie, maybe at the end of the movie it talks about it a little bit, but we, I made eleven thousand dollars a year when I married Shannon, and like that was, and that was with a band. I thought, man, we're really killing it. Like, yeah. in a, and a, just <laughs> you're welcome, baby. Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> and I was so, it's just, it's just so crazy, and broke, and and when we wrote, when we signed, um, the song it was like an October or November of whatever year that would have been, two thousand one or two thousand, and uh, it it uh, it had been two thousand one, and um. Then when songs go to radio right before Christmas, when the Christmas season starts, they freeze the charts and start playing Christmas music. Yeah, sure. So they don't play Imagine during that deal. Right. And so, and so we had our first, Sam, our oldest, we had him January 4th of 2002. And so this is after Christmas. We're having him. And so we've had our baby, and the charts open up about the first week of January. They start playing them again. And so I had a bunch of interviews because it, was it, was it wasn't on radio maybe a month or so. It was pretty new. And so I'll never forget that um, I'm sitting in our little office or little house, and I'm holding Sam. Just got home with him. And I'm trying to do interviews, and um, and um, the other thing they talk about—I think it's in the movie—but my dad, when my dad passed away, he um, he had like a little bit of a retirement. He worked for the high, building high bridges and stuff for the state, and and he said, "Hey, I just want you to know that when I'm gone, like I've had this kind of this retirement or whatever. Like half goes to you, half goes to your brother." But I, if I knew if I gave it all to you, you'd go buy a boat or something. You'd be broke in two days. And so he spread it out to where I'd get like $600 a month for 10 years. Oh, wow. And it really, like, and I don't care what you make. When you when that comes to an end, just losing that, oh, that's yeah. a big chunk. Totally. Yeah. And I remember and he, and he, I remember him telling me, he goes, and I don't know what happens after 10 years, but I'll take care of you somehow. I'll be hmm. there for you. I remember that was one of the last things he said. I was like, oh, whatever. I didn't want to talk about it. And, and I remember I'm sitting there holding Sam. I'm on hold waiting for the interview, and Shannon walks up and says, it's our last check. Oh, wow. After 10 years, our last check. And we're sitting there going, newborn. I'm st stressing out because yeah. 600 is a massive chunk for us to lose in a month. Totally. 
And I'm sitting there, I'm like, and it's just this, this I felt like I was going to break our, you know, your first child. It's like, we're, I don't, where's the manual? I don't know what I'm going to do with this. Yeah. And yeah. So I'm stressing out. And as I'm sitting there, the DJ comes on. He's like, hey, man, you know, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, whatever. And he's like, he goes, and he congratulated me. And I was like, thank you. You know, we're, I, I was thinking my son. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You were excited. And yeah, he's going to be, you know, hope we don't mess it up or whatever. And he was like, ah, he goes, your, your song went number one. Oh, wow. And I'm like, what? And so then I'm thinking of my dad going, somehow I'm going to still be there for you. Oh and the song's gosh. written completely because of him. I'm holding a newborn, no sleep whatsoever. I start sobbing. In the last check, I'm sobbing uncontrollably on the on the radio. Oh. And what's funny is that the DJ thinks I'm really happy about having a number one song. <laughs> like he's like, it's okay, dude. Yeah. Is this your first one? I'm like, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Like I won a lottery. And, and that was, was just with one week of airplay? Uh, that was, it would have been probably four weeks before Christmas and they freeze it. Okay, and that yeah. first week back, um, they had, yeah, something like that. Roughly, if I can recall it right. But it wasn't much. It takes usually about 10 weeks for a song to run up the chart. So it was it was quick. And, um, and so, yeah. And so that was like, that's, that was kind of from then on, it was like crazy, man. It was that's really awesome. crazy. Yeah. That's yeah. what we would call here an idiosynchronicity. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I love that look of, I have no clue what you're about <laughs> I didn't to say. Either. I was, like, was going to let you say it, but, say? but I still I wish saw you would have both said two wrong words. Eyes. A coincidence. Oh, man. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking the whole time how I almost feel bad in a way mm. talking about, I can only imagine you've been talking. I can't even I imagine the hours I did too. you spent Man, talking it's okay. about this song. It's, it's better than hard labor. So that's true. I'll never complain. That's true. <laughs> but that being said, those three notes, mm. I mean, you'll probably think this is weird, but I think of like journey. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Yeah. I get you. I get it's weird. Yeah. But seriously, it's it's that emotion of like boom, I know what that is. Mm -hmm. And it's and it's one of those it's one of those songs where my guess is you would say, dude, it's beyond me. Yeah. Believe me. Um, but it's one of those songs where it it so blew past the quote unquote Christian mm -hmm. market to a recognizable song by most of America certainly. Yeah. And I'm sure yeah. all over the world. Um and so you if it was me, I'd be sitting back going, I cannot, like, what in the, how is this even happening? Yeah, yeah. Like, I can't Asked imagine. That a few times. Yeah, I, I just, yeah. I said I can't imagine. I'm trying <laughs> to avoid all those words. Um, <laughs> I just, yeah, it's one of those iconic songs. Yeah. You know, it's, how did it's, that happen to me? It's crazy, because, I mean, like, it's, and it's, it, it, it we jokingly call it the song that won't go away, because, sure. like, it did its thing in Christian music in, Kind of ran the charts and it was and it, and I remember when it went platinum sold a million copies. We're like, man, this is never in a million years we dream of that. Sure. And so we kind of exhausted that album, moved on to a second album, which was called Spoken For, and we just started promoting this. And I'm in I'm at home and I get a phone call, and a friend of mine goes, Hey, turn it on Wild 100. It was the top 40 station. Mm -hmm. They're playing Imagine. I was like, What are you talking about? And so which I, is when I heard it. For yeah, the first and time. I turn it on and they're playing it. And all I hear is them saying, stop calling, we'll play it again in a second. And so, and it's this shock jock morning show of like, it's like they were very much like a Howard Stern kind of format. And in fact, they were called Big Gay Steve, Fitz and Big Gay Steven in the morning. Oh, okay. wow. And, uh, and it was very, I mean, it was like, he was like this, this real perverted ladies man. And, and Steven was like the will and grace, like, mm -hmm. like cliche, like over yeah, the top. Totally. Like that was his bit. Yeah. 
And uh, they were doing this truth or dare on the air where like it was supposed to be perverted stuff. And someone called and said, I dare you to play Imagine. Now, this wasn't long after 9-11. Mm. And, um, and so they're like, what are you talking about? And they're like, oh, it's a song. You got to play it. And they're like, we're not going to play it. And so their own fans started dogging them going, we found something you won't do. And, and just started ripping them a new one. Like, really? You'll do all this horrible stuff, but you can't play that? And so he goes, all right, you know what? Stop dogging us for it. And if somebody can get us a copy to the station, we'll play it because they didn't have it. So their producer's got him Tony. And he runs down, and somebody they, we thought somebody dropped one off. He brings it up. They get it. And that, they played it, and the phone started go, just ringing off the hook. Unreal. And people calling, like, not directly connected to 9-11 but there's no doubt it all was like sure. a perfect storm of like people totally it's just it, people were more emotional and just like just pouring their hearts out on the air like a confessional thing in their state yeah. deal and so for that four-hour show they never played another song it's, oh wow they kept playing that and then they would talk and take phone calls and play it again but they played it 20 times wow and i'm listening about the last two and a half hours i'm at, I'm, I'm in, Gr in greenville and i'm listening on what is happening and and um so then their big thing is we hear they're from here and so you have to call in if you you know them, tell them we want them to come to the station. And so I was so nervous. And so I before right before it ended that show, I called in. I said, "Hey, I'm the guy from Mercy Me." And like like they shut all the music down and went dead silent oh, on the air. Oh my gosh! And I was mortified because I'm like you know, and I grew up in a legalistic church, and oh, yeah. I was like, you know, I was scared of Big Gay Steven and the mm. whole thing. I like, just didn't know yeah. if they were going to corner me i didn't know right. what to think you sure know? man well, it's this kinda, gonna be the end of yeah, my they're career yeah they're thinking that i'm a church guy that's gonna call down locusts on them and <laughs> i'm thinking they're gonna hate me right yeah. we were both scared of each other and so we started talking and it was one of the sweetest conversations ever like we wow. both realized that we're nothing like what we thought the right. other was hmm. to the point to where like you have to come would you come like i think it was the next day or maybe it was either the next day or whenever and come play it in the studio so we went and I'll never forget one of the sweetest moments is we're in, they put us in a little uh, lobby uh, break room waiting for them to get off the air, go to commercial and come say hi to us and bring us in and set up. R very typical. And I'm and being brutally honest, we're sitting there and we're like, um, what are we doing here? Like, mm -hmm. like uh, what if they get us on the air and go, what do you think about homosexuality right. or anything? We, it was, right. we got so scared. We were bickering. Like I'm saying, man, this is a huge opportunity. You know, and they're like, this could be bad. What if, I mean, I mean, what if we say something that's offensive or they, you know, yeah. or, or, you know, everything that goes to your head. And as we're saying it, Stephen, big gay Stephen has come in to get us and we're sitting there bickering our backs to him. And he walks up and he goes, Hey guys. And he's, and we're turning and he goes, Hey, I, I, this may be odd. And he goes, but, um, and he said, uh, I've had a lot of friends. He starts tearing up saying that have passed away. And he goes, and just that song for some reason just makes me hope that there's something more. Oh, wow. And he goes, he goes, is it against the rules for you to pray for me? Oh wow. And oh, just and just I God. just I start sobbing out of guilt of what I was thinking and how I thought I was gonna be treated. And we're like, absolutely. And so we prayed for him and just we're all in tears and stuff. Oh, Such a great gosh. guy. Wow. So we go in and set up and play Imagine and he's over in the corner, he's a puddle, just like crying and stuff. And it and it was like this beautiful moment. He's still one of our dear friends. Um, wow. That's awesome. And uh, and what the part I said when I, we thought somebody dropped it off, the producer was secretly going to seminary and this he got saved while doing this show oh, no. years oh, wow. before Gosh. 
changed it. He had a different name on the air and didn't tell anybody because he was embarrassed and thought, I'm going to lose my job. This is paying for seminary. So he's this producer of shock thing going to seminary <laughs> and had the CD in his car. Wow, so he went down and grabbed amazing. it and goes, some girl dropped it hey, off and it was all him. Oh. Yeah, totally. <laughs> he was the girl. Yeah, and so they, they start, we call the label, hey, they're playing the song. And it was right when the internet was like, they were one of the first ones that if you go to their website, you can vote on what their top 10 songs will be. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so we were number one for like six months and, oh, and wow. ahead of 50 Cent in the club and oh, like wow. J-Lo and Ella Cool J had a song. And it stayed there. And so that a word of mouth got around to ra just different radio stations. And our label was like, what do we do with this? Because it's a Christian song. You can't, you know. And so we didn't know. And so all we knew to do is we burned a bunch of CDs and said, play it once. If you get no response, throw it away. We didn't know how, like, it's a Christian song. They're not going to touch it. So everyone that would play it, it went number one. Yeah. Some wouldn't touch it, but uh, but everywhere it did, it went number one. And so it ended up like in the top five on the pop charts or whatever. And so we sold another million and a half copies while we're promoting Spoken For, which didn't. It, yeah. <laughs> I think it sold like 20 copies. And, and so all of a sudden we're doing the Christian circuit promoting our new album and then flying to Jay Leno and uh, Ryan Seacrest and all these places trying to keep up with Imagine. A song and, that you were done with two years yeah, yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was old. It was an old song. And so – and it – and it was like it was killing us, because um, in in POD Alive, remember that song? Oh, yeah. It was the same exact time that that song blew up, and they were kind of like the Christian band that was had a mainstream yep. deal. And then Imagine like was right after it, and so we I remember just, we would we our paths would cross doing these weird kind of shows like the Disney Chris ABC special and stuff, and we're like we had no reason being there. But in, in as cool as it was, like I'm, I'm, I'm grateful my wife stayed married to me because I was never home. Like it was, oh, it was yeah. probably the hardest time of our lives. Sure. And, and so then, it, so it, that blew up again. We're like, same thing. Like, what's happening now? And so it kind of set us up, and we've had a blast ever since. And then it was eight. It was, it was ten years ago. Like now, so eight years before the movie came out, it's when someone approaches about making the movie. It was eight years in the making when it wasn't our idea. I'd never make a movie about it, but. Somebody said, man, I wonder if there's a story behind it. They were asking, what's the most popular Christian song? And yeah. at the time, it was somebody else told her, it's either Imagine or maybe Shout to the Lord. So I guess she went, she checked us both out. I, I don't know. And no, you may be right, but yeah. in my mind, it's like, Shout to the Lord maybe among Christians. Yeah, yeah. well, that's what he yeah. said. She wanted okay. no Christian songs. Oh, gotcha, she, was looking, gotcha. she was looking for it because Passion of the Christ was you know, okay. coming around, mm -hmm. and they wanted to, what the industry would say they wanted to sell to the red states. Yeah. And so she goes, man, if we could find a Christian song with a story. So I don't know what the Shout to the Lord story is, but she, this lady came and took us to breakfast. I told the story. She's in tears going, this is the one. And I'm sure. like, don't know what you're talking about. She goes, we're going to make a movie. And we're like, yeah, right. Okay, okay good luck. <laughs> and, so, uh, and so literally about six years, she would call her about six months. To, uh, and they would have to, they do a thing where they have to buy your life rights, which means yeah. they buy your the rights to where I can't let anybody else tell this part of my life in a story. How yes. weird is that? And when they buy it, it sounds really prestigious, but it'd be like, you know, a couple of grand every six months to a year. It's not much, but for me, it was still like, mm, this yeah. is free money. You know, yeah. like, hopefully, you'll take 30 years to realize you can't make the movie and you just keep paying me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Right. Like, keep trying, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so every six months or so, they'd send me a little check. And I'm like, this is awesome. This is great. This is great. And then about, yeah, six years in, she called and said, hey, uh, we found these guys, the Irwins, and they, they want to run with it. And so I met with them, and all of a sudden these scripts started popping up, and I was like, oh, shoot. Like, this is, 
I got really nervous because I was like, this is stuff I've tried to bury my whole life. Oh, and yeah, it's, man. I didn't really think it through. And so I got really nervous because it was like, this is really going to happen. Yeah. I, I didn't believe it ever would. Did you have to unpack a lot of stuff in well, your own story and kind of reconfront a lot of that? Yeah, and the good thing was when all the mainstream stuff happened, I said, talked about hitting rock bottom. About that same time, my brother-in-law was killed in a car accident, Shannon's only brother, little mm -hmm. brother. And it, was, it really took a toll on us. And I went through this real bad depression. 2004 is when that happened. Mm -hmm. And... um. And so we started going to like grief counseling and therapy just to work through that. Yeah. And it literally paralleled that eight years almost to the date. And it wasn't because of the movie. We started going through this and, and the counselor, she was so amazing, like tapping into my childhood and you react to things now because of this and yeah. never going there before. And, and, and so just it's a totally God thing that by the time the movie came out, I'd never been in a healthier place spiritually or emotionally. Mm. That's awesome. And, not, it, it, and it, it had everything to do with what the movie's about to address, but it had nothing to do with them making a movie. It's just right. we were already going there. Yeah. And to where when the movie came out, I was like, the best advice I was given was to watch it about 100 times so you're sick of it by the time it comes out so you can separate yourself and just yeah. kind of watch it as a sure. fan or not watch it at all. And yeah. Like, I hate the movie. Like, I mean, I just, I've seen it so many times. Like, I don't, I, I, would, I don't really care to see it. I, yeah. I, I love the way they did it, and I love the way it turned out, but it's... I've seen it way too many times. Mm -hmm. Was it kind of cathartic, though, just to watch it for the first time? Yeah, the every first was hard. Like, reading the script for the first time was very emotional. Uh, going to see, you know, I, I flew out when Dennis Quaid started doing his parts, and, you know, him wearing a work, a work shirt with Millard on the patch and the wow. doctor, and I'm sitting in a direct, one of the chairs, and their doctor's telling him that he has cancer, and... And it's like, it was really, like, that was the first thing I saw. Then they went from that to the scene where he breaks the plate over my head. And oh I was like, I think I'm going to go for a drive. Y'all let me know when they, wow. when they do something oh fun. And so it was really, I just, not ever knowing anything about that world, it was like, yeah. I didn't think it was going to affect me. And it was like, holy cow. So I took a ride the rest of the, took a drive the rest of the day. And so that was hard. And then finally seeing the first edit was really hard and, I mean, not it was it was it was yeah it was just emotional yeah, yeah it was it was like yeah. oh man this is it's you know they did it right because it's stirring something in me I haven't felt in a long time and and so for the first time that it didn't really uh, bother me was at the premiere like I'd done a, several screenings with a crowd so the first time it was seen in front of a crowd it was hard and so by the time the premiere it was kind of old hat and so I was like that's fun you know it's kind of cool or whatever and, yeah but yeah every first of script or whatever was like. What are we do? What yeah. are we doing? Oh, you know, and it, yeah. And, yeah, and it's a, uh, yeah, it was cool. And then when it blew up, we had had no idea. No, you know, nobody knew. Lions, everybody was stunned. And I think the one thing we underestimated was one how big the song. Um, just you know, yeah, I think we underestimate how big Christian music as a whole kind of is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the, how many of out there of us there early are as believers. And so we underestimated that. But then when it all happened, we were like, you know, I. Maybe it's because we've spent the last 19 years promoting a movie, if you will, with this song. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And no one's, it's never been done. And so it was like, where are these people coming from? So it was crazy, insane, yeah. the, whole, the whole journey and the song. And it's like, we're still like, you know, just can't believe that we're even talking about it now. It's, yeah, this year's 20 years since we wrote it. We wrote it in 99. Wow. And so. And I crazy. think the movie went number one. It did. It, it went, uh, well, it went, in, yes and no. It's like some people will tell you, Ministerially speaking, it went number one. No, but uh, Amen. Yes. what happened was is that we, we, it was a small budget film that Lionsgate. It was it was made independently, and Lionsgate jumped on at the last minute. And so mm. there's about four thousand forty four hundred theaters in the U S. In case you're wondering, big reporting theaters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Black Panther was in the middle of blowing up when it came out, 
And so it was in all 4,400 theaters. We were in like 1,100 because it costs, every sure. theater cost me to be in. Yeah. Yeah. And we were in 1,100. And so their gross was bigger, but we were selling three times as many tickets mm. percentage wise as Black gotcha. Panther was selling, mm-hmm. but a smaller, you know, like yeah. everywhere we were, it's kind of like the radio station. Whoever would play it, it went number one, but not everybody would play it. Right, right. And we got up at, as it went along, it kept, we were like, oh no. And so I think uh, they were, they expect us to make like one and a half million the first weekend is what they predicted. And we made like 14 million. <laughs> and that, and it, so that alone was like, what is happening? And so everybody, it was, it was, uh, us and, uh, love Simon and tomb Raider were the three new movies that weekend. And, uh, and we beat, we beat, uh, I think we were, we were number one as the new movies of the week. We beat them all out, except we couldn't reach Black Panther. It was like oh, otherworldly. No People were going to say that twenty. Yeah. Times. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah. And, uh, and so, but percentage wise, like per head, we were ahead of it. But you would never see it because you're mm-hmm. talking. It was just right. numbers so lopsided. Right, right. But Lionsgate was like, man, we're onto something. So they kept adding theaters to where about four or five weeks in, we were up to forty, almost forty four hundred. Oh wow. Uh, uh, movies. I mean theaters, to where I think in that six to eight week period, it ended up. I think it was like 87 million when it went out of box office. Wow. And then, and then that's gotta be like other than passion of the Christ, like the, the best, the best commercial. Uh, yeah. Christian I think, film. uh, they, uh, at the time they said, um, uh, uh, what's the miracles from heaven did really well. The one with uh, yeah. Jennifer Garner, I think, mm-hmm. or something like that. Oh yeah. I think that's what it's called. The, where the yeah. kid goes yeah. to yes. heaven. Comes back. Yeah. That one did really, really well. But the thing is, is like uh, there's box office numbers and there's the home entertainment, everything. And so th- their numbers were everything, and it was really big. And they were like, yeah, it was really close. Uh, I think we did pass it at the last minute. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. And Wonder was Lionsgate's massive movie that come out just like the year before. You know, that it's a great yeah, movie. Such and a that movie. blew out. That was their biggest movie ever. And um, and when it went to home entertainment, it, it blew. I think it's... Uh, I don't know exactly. Somebody said it's a, it's like at 130, 140 million with home entertainment now. Wow. Uh, I have no clue if that's true because uh, it's like somebody told somebody some. But it did pass Wonders Lionsgate's all time biggest movie. Wow. Uh, overall with everything, and it's so still, once again this song. You're like yeah. Oh man. The world. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Like it's 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 and anything that happened before, as big as it was, the whole movie thing, I had no clue. Like it's it's like. The mainstream stuff was like I can't imagine it getting crazier, and the money they put into making a movie, and the the sprint that that six week average of being in a box office is, mm-hmm. to that to let's take a few months off and wait for the DVD. It's the most depressing, like I, you know, because for an album it's a slow burn of two years with mm-hmm. different singles. Yeah, you've got a six week period if you're lucky, and then you're done. All that money and uh, two years to make a movie or whatever done. it is done. Yeah, I'm like, how do y'all do this? And they said, man, it's it's just it's emotionally just a beat down. Grind, yeah, and so. Yeah, so it was. It, I just couldn't, you know, the, the numbers they were rattling off. I'm just like, I couldn't fathom, and just and and the the response, like, um, from the second the trailer came out, like our shows just started getting bigger and bigger. And, oh, interesting. I didn't think yeah, about just that. it's like it's like the whole brand just when it rains it pours, and everything was just. You know, we were selling out all these shows, and like this last tour, we were the sixth biggest tour in the country. With behind like uh, like Eric Church and and, oh, and wow. like uh, El, and, and uh, Billy Joel and all these big ones. That's incredible. And it's just like it, it's you know it, it'll it'll taper off at some point. But and we thought it would be right after the movie. But they're like, man, if the movie comes out here, you got to give fans a year to really just. It's almost like when an album yeah. comes out, give them time to learn the album, then they'll come. It's kind of like way with movies. It's like once the DVD's out and they're kind of like, hey, these guys aren't. And, and sure. literally, just the show just kept getting bigger and bigger, and it's. It's been fun. It's the the best thing we ever did was about five years ago. 
um, we were, we, when we thought I was, I tried to quit the band cause I was just exhausted and it was kind of when we were going through the counseling and we we're kind of coming out the other side of it. Yeah. Is that when you moved to Nashville about the same it's time? exact same time. And, and, and what really happened was I just, it was my first taste of like identity and grace yeah. and understanding that this whole mercy me thing was not my identity. And, and so I thought it meant, Hey, I, I need to walk away from this, you know? Gotcha. And so I was prepared to quit and told the band, they're like, well, let's fix what isn't broken. And, and so I said, well, if you want to keep going, we've, I want to, I can only do like, I think I said like 60 shows a year, which was cutting it in half at the time. Yeah. They're like, great. We don't know how we're going to make it, but great. And so we started doing that. And if, and, and to this day, like, I think it's 60 to 70 when we, if we get an offer, they'll say, Hey, this is number 32 for the year. This is, we have like a financial overhead we have to hit. Mm-hmm. And when we hit 60, if, if our 60th offer comes in July, we'll cut it off. Oh, like, wow. We don't we don't take any more calls. Mm-hmm. We still do it that way. That's good boundaries. It was family. great for when the movie blew up. We were like, it was like, hey, do we cash in and do a ton of shows? And we're like, nah, man, let's just keep doing it. Good so we got bigger offers and stuff, but there were some crazy offers that were like, sorry, dude, we're done for the year. Dang, and it, good it was, for you. That's yeah. tough. That's tough yeah. to enforce. Yeah, but we're in a better place than we ever have been. Yeah, like, and good. We, we're like best friends, and we still – the, the, the opposite happened when I realized who I was in Christ – Instead of quitting, I fell in love with music all over again. And we all were kind of like, you know, we'll we'll be okay if we yeah. don't do these shows. And we cut back. And and the crazy thing is when you cut back and tell Minnesota you're only coming once every two years and not four times a year, yeah. they get more eager to have you. And so they're totally. it's like supply and demand and those shows will sell out. Yeah, no doubt. So it's so it's we're just we're in a great place now. We thought we'd be long done and gone by now and and we're just we're like we're just, I told my grandmother I was years ago, I'm just trying to avoid hard labor. And so yeah. still, still figuring well, it out. So far, so good. Yeah. <laughs> For some of an outsider looking in, knowing you very minimally, um, but knowing your kids, yeah. um, it's apparent that mm. the choices you're making, because oh, yeah. I see you at church all the time. Mm. Your kids are at pretty much everything we do, yeah, unless yeah. you're out of town or something. Yeah. And, uh, from the outside looking in, you've, you guys have done a really, really great job. Well, that means a lot. It's, that's and that's um, yeah. And I give Shannon a, a ton of credit because mm-hmm. and, and and just because church was such a big deal to us for me especially, but for both of us, we have such amazing memories, especially of youth ministry and stuff. And yeah, yeah. sure. And so that's our kind of our weak spot, man. If our kids are like, "Hey, they're driving to Africa tomorrow. Can you take us?" We're like, "We'll try." Yep. Like we just want them to be engaged <laughs> yeah, whenever they can because yeah. it's like even to this day, some of the my favorite years of my life were, yeah, you know, where 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 totally. they are right now, yeah, totally. And so I think that's the thing I admire most about about you mm-hmm. and and about Mike and and your families is just how intentional you are with making and fighting for family time and and you know incorporating them and as much as you can even in travel and stuff but still making sure they're here right right <laughs> every time you can for events and for church and stuff and i just think that just really is a great leading by example and i've seen so many artists just really be estranged from their kids and their yeah. families because of the road life and it's a hard place and, and you know and you know i'm i'm i'd be crazy not to say that because of all the success we're able to say no to stuff sure and to, and we're yeah. really blessed to do this to where it's like, it's a weird, ministry is such a weird thing because it becomes the villain that takes you away from mm-hmm. your family. And, yep. mm-hmm. and you know, it's I, it, it, it's not a coincidence that preacher's kids are sometimes <laughs> kind of labeled as the wildest ones yeah, because totally. they see behind the curtain and they see this 
so-called yeah. ministry that just that was more important to my dad or my mom or whatever mm-hmm. than I was is what they feel and and so we've been blessed to be able to back off and and say like you know my kids are only going to grow up once yeah and so it's and it, it's That's it's true. tough because like Sam my oldest he like because uh, we haven't always been this way we had to get healthy and so Sam it's you know like my youngest Miles, who's eight, like that's all he's kind of seen. Mm-hmm. Sam's seen both sides of it, and we have a great relationship. But it's like, you know, he remembers like when Dad was never around, and sure, and I would justify that I had to be gone, I had to provide, and you know, it's the Lord's work or whatever. And so, yeah. and so, yeah, it's, I feel I told Shan, I was like, I feel like I'm making up more for Sam right now, to where my younger kids are like, they don't remember anything yeah. but this, yeah, which is great. I mean, it's awesome, but it's it's there. You know, I've always been making the movie. I learned like with my brother. You know, my brother saw things differently than I did. Oh, I was yeah. like, "That's weird," and I just thought we we're on the same team. But you know, if you ask, if you have siblings at all, and you ask them to describe your childhood, you have two separate childhoods. Totally, you recall oh, yeah. them differently. Mm-hmm. You you like and dislike probably different people. Mm-hmm. My brother thought my dad was a saint, even though he beat him the same way, and wow. and was really struggled with the movie for a while. And we had to work through that, but. Uh, but I realize now as a parent, like Sam's childhood is totally different than Miles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's in a good place now, but he'd be like, Man, I don't remember dad being at every practice when I was eight or yeah. whatever, you know. And yeah. So, so yeah, it's interesting, man. It's it's if you take you you take for granted when you have five kids like I do, how right how much they've seen and how much we've evolved we evolve as parents and yeah. you know, we get it so wrong in the beginning and then hopefully yeah. get a little bit right somewhere along the way. Yeah. I have a question for you. Yeah. Um Obviously, you've been doing this for a very long time, mm-hmm. written lots of music, and you're probably at a point where if you had to, you could make mm-hmm. adjustments and mm-hmm. probably not have to even do 60 shows right. if you didn't want to. Mm-hmm. So what's the what's the underlying passion for you for everything musically and, and for the people or whatever that yeah. is? What's that look like for you right now? Um, I mean... Um, I think the reason we keep doing it is because I think we figured out, I feel like we figured out what we we're supposed to say in the last five years, mm. the last two records, welcome to the new and lifer. And that's the whole grace and identity thing. It's yeah. like, it's like by God's grace, he let us keep opening our fat mouths for so many years and <laughs> say things that may have sounded crazy. And, and, you know, and for the most part protect us, but there's some songs that I would have rewritten if I could have from early on, you know? Sure. My view of church and everything is different than it yeah. was growing up, and mm-hmm. and, um, and so um, yeah, so I think that's part of it is that is the irony that we feel like we're just getting started, if you will, and like we have something worth saying. Yeah. Somebody told me that in Japan, I don't know if it's true or not, but they told me that you're not even allowed to write a book until you turn fifty because they don't think you have anything worth saying. Oh, that's yeah, in the whole business field over there or whatever. I think I thought that was crazy, and now that I'm forty six, I'm like. They're not far off, dude, because I feel like I'm just figuring out something worth saying. That's way more fun than just trying to pay bills. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was, we were talking about, I think, uh, kind of off the air about Sam. You know, my mm-hmm. 70-year-old's, he's, he's got an incredible voice. And yeah. he's so, he's like uh, like an identity. He understands who he wants to be. And and I didn't even know he could sing until like two years ago. I, I found on Instagram, he wouldn't let me hear him. And I was like in tears and... He really loves it, and we let him sing on stage a few times. And he's he just and I love how naive and innocent he is about it. And mm-hmm. he's just doing because he loves music. Yeah. And he's like, man, I want to do this. I want to do this. And I'm the one kind of slowing things down because I'm like, man, the second and it may be different now, but I'm like, the second you step on stage, people are gonna expect that they're gonna want to know what you have to say. Mm-hmm. You, that you have to take a stand, if you will. That's what it was when we were growing up. And I said sure. a lot of foolish things. I was like, I just don't want you to hate Jesus in five years. Yeah. 
So I was like, just make music and just enjoy being a kid. And, and so he's been totally like, oh, that's cool, whatever. You know, he, he's never fought it. He's like, he just didn't, you know, yeah. he's yeah. B-17. You yeah, know? man. Totally. And, uh, and so, but yeah, that's, that's uh, uh, you know, I, 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 it's, a, it's a miracle that I don't hate Jesus at 46. Sure. And, uh, and I probably would have, but, you know, I think we, we had enough mo- moments of hitting rock bottom and realizing what grace actually was mm-hmm. and, and, um, and just, uh, you know, and just realizing that being religious wasn't enough and, and just had people pour into my lives and just show me like, Hey, you know, on your yeah. worst possible day, he's still pleased with you. Like That's what if you so never good. did any of this and he was yeah. okay with you? And I was like, wait, what? Hold up. You know, I, there's a harvest, you know, I got to yeah, do man. more. And yeah. they're like, what if you didn't like what, you know, and I just, I, I couldn't comprehend it. And so it took about two years to unpack it with, uh, with Chloe's dad, Rusty was the one mm-hmm. that kind of first showed me that. And I just, I should, it was like discovering fire, you know? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, yeah. So that's the passion is, is like, I, I've spent my entire life waiting for a moment to freely make music with no expectations mm-hmm. and no responsibility. And, and I, there's no way I'm stopping now because yeah. it's just, we just like making music. Like yeah, that's, we've had an, the labels, like just turn in whenever you want, do what you want. And so it's like, it's like, yeah, this is, we jokingly say, this is about as close as retirement as we get. It's just to be able to make music. Yeah. And just have, enjoy your it. schedule. Yeah. yeah, and if and if and not care if anybody likes it, or if radio will play it, or if it's three minutes or five minutes, just make music. And, yeah. And so, man, I, we're having more fun now than we've ever had in our lives. And so that's probably the biggest passion. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. I'm curious what role finding Journey Church has played in your uh, sort of unpacking yeah. of, of grace versus coming out of legalism. Because I know for me and for so many people I know, it, it has been a big yeah. turning point. It was a. It was very timely when when I was in Texas. We had a small church, smaller than this. That um, you know, I was dear friends with a pastor, and and um, and it was um, and when this grace and identity thing came through, it just it all of a sudden it was like I just assumed everybody felt the same way and realized oh this is not necessarily how it is. And and my pastor, my he was. Uh man, he was just a very you know uh, I don't know how to put it, but he's just um um just really leaned into total depravity and that, you know, our hearts Mm -hmm. are wretched. And if we choose, we'll choose wrong every time or nothing without you. And I was coming to this place of, Hey, or what if the cross is enough? And what if we have a heart and mind of Christ and he took our heart of stone, made it a heart of flesh. And so, you know, and what if what we do is not who we are? And what if, like Paul says, the sin inside of us, he addresses like it's a separate thing and not part of him. Mm. And what if somehow we were able to see the man or the woman or the person that has cheated on his taxes, had an affair or whatever, and without batting an eye, still love them as a brother in Christ mm-hmm. because that's not who they are. Mm. And um, and it, we were had this conversation and he totally did. I mean, like I, it, like I was a heretic. Like he was like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, and it was just, it was like, and I never saw it coming. Like I was like Buddy the Elf. Like, what? You're upset with me? Like, don't we all feel this way? And yeah. it it started this when we were already going to move. It was like three or four months before, but it started this discussion, like texting discussion of why I was wrong and like why I was hmm. like castrating the Book of Hebrews and all this kind of crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm and and just I'd never been hurt in a church before. Mm-hmm. Never played that role because I thought, man, I'm I think I'm doing everything right, you know and and it was devastating. Like I'd wow. never been more angry. And I mean, I yeah. should thank him because I'd never been in the word more than I was then. And, and just like, you know, am I, am I, have I been duped or whatever? Cause I trusted this guy so much. And then just came to the point of like, we're just, we're speaking two different languages. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, and it's a, and so 
we were already moving, and so we moved here. We uh, automatically went to the church where uh, at, in Smyrna, where the pastor he actually married my wife and I. And, right. And so, right. which is let's I've go been there. Yeah, let's go see Great Pat. Dude. Yeah, Pat's mm-hmm. awesome. And uh, so we said, let's go hey, go to his church. And the only reason we didn't keep going is because we could only find a house to rent in Thompson Station. It was thirty five minutes away. It's too far. Yeah. And I couldn't. You know, Sam was sixth grade, and I was like, I can't drive you to wait on you and come back. I just couldn't do it. So. We were here, and then we took Tim Timmons out on tour. Uh, for we owned a tour called the Rock and Worship Roadshow, and we brought he came out on when he had the album with Provident, and, and he we hit it off, became like super dear friends. Is that when y'all first met? That's the first time we met. It was when he was on the tour. They were like a buy-on act for like Lights Up. The label said, "Hey, we want this new guy on here," and so we had mutual friends and just just hit it off like crazy. And he was living in Orange County at the time. And, and I started giving him a hard time. Like, man, you, I moved here. You need to get your tail here. And <laughs> eventually he did. And one thing led another. He goes, hey, man, I think I'm going to take a position at, at a Journey. And I was like, cool. All right. You know, that's great. And I came here right when Journey was in the Church of the City mm-hmm. on Sunday nights. So yes. after the factory days. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... I thought for the first three weeks I was going to the evening service of Church on the City. <laughs> oh, Church shoot. City. I had no idea, and I thought the Bible study was called Journey. I had no clue. Oh, wow. I thought it was like their, their not like a singles thing, but their, nobody does oh. Sunday night services, so I thought it was an event yeah. called Journey with a little coffee shop in the lobby, and Mark Stewart and Randy Williams are giving me coffee, and they're buddies of mine. And I'm like, this is great. Whatever this is yeah, for married I like people, it. I don't know what Journey is, <laughs> but it's great. Way to go, Church of the City. And it, and it was the the first day I came was the day the first day oh. Kevin came. It was first Sunday night. I was there. Kevin, yeah, that was my first Sunday. That's and hilarious. so that, and so I didn't meet Jamie till like six or seven weeks in because he kind of disappeared and they everybody was taking turns during that summer. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so I never met Jamie. And so Tim was like, and Tim hadn't taken a position yet, but he was like, man, he goes, this is kind of where I go. He would come in and write with with David and everybody back mm-hmm. then. And, and so he's like, this is kind of my home away from home. And I'm like, great, Church City, it's big church. That's cool. And so he finally's like, wait a minute, time out. We're, this is not, what? And, I, and, and you got to understand, think about what he's telling me is that yeah. we don't have a home. So another church has given us their home on Sunday nights. That's yeah. more ludicrous than what I thought. Yeah. You know, who does that? Right. And so then I realized, this is a whole separate church? Because yes. And so, and so uh, nice. I met Jamie and we hit it off at like the hands and feet thing, casino night or whatever. Oh, we yeah. finally met him and hit it off. And and then when Tim said, hey, I think I'm going to take a position here, we were going, I think we went to like Grace Chapel for a season with Tim and some other friends. And it was, and it was just, the, it was so big and we loved it, have no problem with it. And then when Tim said he's coming here, we're like, oh, we'll go with y'all. We'll check it out. Like we just didn't have many friends. We had friends in the industry, but not like, I called, my wife didn't have many friends and yeah. I'm just, where I'm just right. Bart's husband. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, Shannon's husband. And so uh, we came here and just fell in love with it. And I fell in love with Jamie and, and everything about it. And mm-hmm. we had so many friends kind of already in place for being in a band that long. And and then, you know, our kids, you know, just they took to it. And, and um, yeah, it was, and then and it was like sitting with Jamie, it was like polar opposite of what I'd just gone through. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just like, you know, just the yeah, it was it was it was right where I was. And it was like, man, because I was real like all of a sudden never had issues before, but real timid about just a relationship with a pastor. And yeah. I was like, Hey man, I just need to, we need to talk for a second. Cause if you disagree with this stuff, I got to move on. And it's probably a little PTSD. Yeah. And he was like, he goes, he goes, and I remember him going, people still think that way. Huh? And I was like, yeah, I guess that, you know, just this, the whole legalistic, mm-hmm. you know, like 
just beat yourself up and yeah. try try to be good. And yep. You're a, you're a bad per, you're a bad person trying to be good is is the mentality and yep. and so I really I really grilled Jamie like look no offense to you but I just got butchered and just never left a church hurt like that mm. and and just and it was just like a, a salve like coming here and just and to where it's like yeah it was it was it was absolute perfect timing and. Never thought I'd be in a church where I'm like the first one up on Sundays, like let's go, and and now my kids wake me up, like they'll dog me if I miss a Sunday because they're and I just like thank you God, that's yeah, all I ever wanted, that's for all real. I ever wanted, and so uh, yeah, so we love this place, yeah, same. So I'm curious. Ever since Grace got you, yeah, would you have written that the same way 20 years ago? No, no, I wouldn't have written it. No, there's there's a no, it would have been a. No, I, I wouldn't have. I mean, uh, I was trying to think. I've never thought. I've never. I've never really given much thought of the new songs if I'd done it twenty years ago. I've looked at a lot of songs twenty years ago. Would I've written them now? And yeah. there's some that I would have. You know, like a. It's kind of like God showing Abraham the cross long before it ever. Like sal- what salvation could look like. Mm-hmm. I feel like there were moments to where like I was. I was right there by it. Yeah. It's like I'm digging for treasure. I'm standing over it and didn't realize it with songs yeah. like beautiful and different stuff. And but uh, yeah, there's a few. Uh, I would say most of the songs, the last two records, would have been written differently. Um, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. just uh just you know, not. I don't know if it'd been intentional. It just was in me. Just uh you know, this is not. We need to work harder. We need to yeah. do more. Mm-hmm. You know, it's who's going to do it if we don't. That kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And the other song that I mean, it's it's almost neck and neck with I can only imagine for me. And we've talked with with Timmons yeah. already before about this song. Even if you don't, mm-hmm. man such an awesome song what has that meant to sort of this new phase of your career uh, it's been amazing it's like um just the, the last two records have been um, really the perfect storm uh welcome to the new like we were kind of we figured we were going to ride off in the sunset and album sales were fine but everything was transitioning to streaming and mm-hmm. and so we were one of the few that sold a lot of cds and it just didn't when the labels are freaking out, like nobody's getting paid and stuff, like we really took a hit when it was when Spotify wasn't paying and stuff, and we were fine. We were like, Man, I just don't know if I can, yeah. if I want to do it again and start over. And so we were looking at, you know, we have two more. We have, I think, we had one more album. So we did Welcome to the New, and then Flawless and Greater and Dear Younger Me was on that record, and they all did really well. And so everything kind of took off again. Then right about that time is when the movie started move. Like started the, that process. No, it was before that, but that started there was buzz about that and then the next album would have been um oh even if was the first single and um and um and it 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 i think it's it officially it was our longest song at number one at like 29 or 30 weeks Mm -hmm. or something like that and um just had no clue had no idea like we you know it's like you feel like you spend most of your career chasing imagine or 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 trying not to yeah yeah and that was one of the songs where it was like uh i'll never forget like i was leaving we were doing Sam. My oldest son Sam is a type one diabetic. Has been since he was two. And uh, w- when we do his his six month checkup, whether it's a good or bad re- report, it doesn't matter. It reminds you that this stupid disease doesn't go anywhere. 100%. So it's always yeah. hard. Yeah. So it puts Shannon and I in this funk, and so we just it's just a bad day. And we have a dear friend that's very close, a godly woman, and she could tell we were bothered. And she was like, uh, "Tell me more about Sam's diabetes." You know, I just. I don't know much about it, like a distraction. We kind of went through all the statistics we've learned over the years. And somewhere through that, she stopped me and goes, you know what? We're just going to pray for healing. Like it was like this eureka moment, and it ticked me off. Yep. And, um, and I was just like, oh, yeah. man. I didn't tell her. I'm not a jerk. 
But I was just like, yeah, what a novel idea that 17 years I've never thought to pray for my son to be healed. Man, how did you, yeah. where have you been? Yeah. Like, who they had this massive <laughs> breakthrough? I was so mad. And I remember going home and I was like, I remember I literally in the, I walked in the bedroom and it's just me and Shannon. I was like, how dare her? Like, I was so mad. And to find out Shannon was just as angry. And it was just like, and, and, and it wasn't at her. My anger was that knowing God could heal him, but starting to believe that he just won't. Mm -hmm. And that's really, really hard. And that so, tough. so I went from there to, I went to home and I was griping with Shannon. And I was like, well, you're no help to me because we're both angry. So this is only at worst. And I, I was supposed to go do a podcast at Timmons house. He was going to try to start one. And I went in and just went off. I'm like, we never even record. I was like, man, people are idiots. I was just like, and I was just talking about it and going off, going off. And I was like, I'm just so mad. And, and we were in the middle of making the record and or writing songs. And we didn't have any intentions of writing together at the time. And, uh, and I was like, I, I know I'm just, you don't even understand what I'm going through, forgetting that Tim lives with cancer. Yes. Yeah. And he was kind of looking at me and, you know, and I kept saying, man, I just, I just, you know, I just, I want to, I want to believe enough to say, God, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they say, I know you can deliver us, but even if you don't, I'm still going to worship you. Mm -hmm. You're still worth it. I said, just give, let me be that just for five minutes. Yeah. Just, Cause I'm sick of pretending. Yeah. And he's over there and he's kind of smiling. He's playing like this Yanni kind of music. Mm -hmm. And I was getting mad at him. I was like, this is not the time to be funny, Tim. <laughs> but he's like playing lounge music as I'm talking, like it's an altar call. Yeah. And so it ticked me off to where I finally was like, I got to go. I didn't tell him I was mad, but I left because I was like, you're totally not hearing me. So I leave, and then he sends me a text and goes, hey, me and Crystal Lewis tried to write this song five years ago, and it's just the chorus, even if. And he goes, I know how you feel. And, uh, and I was like, and I felt like an idiot because I, I just didn't even think about the cancer and all that kind of stuff. And so I called him in tears and said, I have to finish this. He's like, cool. And so and so I wrote the verses and the bridge and uh -huh. and uh and and then we put on the album and we were really wanting to put something upbeat because we've been known kind of a power ballad band for a long time and mm -hmm. yeah. right before it came out all the radio people the label said hey we don't want to upset you but what are you doing like what are, why are we waiting to put out the most important song on this record and we're like what are you talking about like it's even if the, forget the rest of the record it's that song so wow. we agreed to let them put it out and man I'm glad they did goodness and, yeah so it's been it's yeah it was. It's just these last two records have been. So which, were you thinking about not releasing it? As it was going to be like the second single because it was right, too slow. And I thought, yeah, yeah, we were going to put like "We Win." I think it was going to be the first one or something, or maybe it's "Grace Got You." And we flipped them. Mm -hmm. yeah. I was like, all right. And sure enough, it was like a. Uh, it was almost a year and three months that it stayed on radio, and so um, and so we didn't even release a single for almost a year and a half after. And then you know, and it's it was a great. It was obviously the right thing to do, but it was like, it was just. just just crazy, and it was like didn't wasn't thinking of it being a smash hit. It was just like literally therapy for me to get through that, and and uh, yeah, it's, I'm it's sure cool. you've heard so many cool stories oh, from sure people about what that's meant to them yeah. too. Just oh, yeah. just similar struggles and yeah. totally different situations. Yeah, it's been very. It's been the it's been the one that's most similar to what we went through with Imagine, as far as people like God told me I need to tell you that you know I lost my wife to cancer or whatever. Like the stories are heavy. The, the next story is heavier than the last, and. And imagine it was like that to where it was almost a burden, like, oh, I don't know if I can hear anymore. Right. I, I'm in a healthier place now, so it's not hard. But even if it's very similar, like we get people all the um, time talking about like I just because our whole message now is, you know, what, it's OK to get upset. Like it's OK mm -hmm. to doubt. It's yeah. OK to, to to not say God is good all the time because you may not be sure. Yeah. I said he's faithful, thank God, to show up. But it's OK if you don't if you get it wrong. And and it's like this this community exhale in the room and then yeah. all of a sudden they're like man i just i've been so angry and it's I've, permission yeah. to be human it totally 
totally is. Yeah. And that's what I love about it. And so, yeah, so that's been a, it's been a, it's been the close thing to kind of enjoy what Imagine did, but in a healthy place spiritually. It's been, mm. I, I love singing that song. That's awesome. Well, one of my favorite songs, and I've just come across it within the last year, even though it's, I'm sure it's three or four or five years old, mm. is uh, First Time. That might not be the name of the song, actually. Oh, first from Hurt and the Healer? Like, yeah. a, really? That was it never a single or anything. Resonated. I was like, Janina, my wife, have you heard this? And part of it is, we have very different backgrounds, but no. spiritually they're kind of close. And uh, same for me. I went to Liberty University yep. and heard like, quote unquote, worship music for the first time. I was like, what is this? Yep. Yeah. And um, and kind of went through a similar like crossroads of, yeah. I don't know if this is this same thing. Like, I don't know if this whole, I'm a piece of junk yeah. is working for me. I, like, I just don't, I just, I don't. It's hard for me to grasp that God views me that way. Yeah. Like, and so I heard that song. Um, we were, it was, well, it's been within the last couple of years because I first heard it in Buffalo, which we just moved mm-hmm. back from. And, uh, yeah, what's funny is that's the very first song I tried to write after the whole Grace Identity thing. And it was, surprised. it's the album's Hurting the Healer, and it's right in the middle of the album. It's, it, the track orders change, but if, if, if they were laid out from the first song right to the last, there's a weird evolution of me going from legalism into grace. Oh yeah. And so it was intentionally called first time because I was like, this is my, this is like, it was literally like a first attempt to try to say what it feels like, like discovering fire. Like this feels like I'm just now getting started. And that's why it's, I think it's the last song of the album near the end of the album. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the reason. And, and so most of that record is struggling like a hurt and the healer. That actual song was me. just like, you know, this, please don't let all this be in vain. Yeah. Like, and, and I lost, my cousin was a firefighter, was killed in the line of duty. And mm. that song, that, that song came mm. out of his funeral and all that stuff, but it was just the anger of, I thought I was doing everything right, but everything still sucks. Yeah. And so there's gotta be more than this. Totally. And so it's like that, that's one of the last times that I feel like a whole album was supposed to work together and have a message. Cause everything's about oh. singles now. Yeah. And, but that's the very first time that I was like, this is it. This is where this is the beginning of something. I had chill. I was like, "How have I not heard this?" That's crazy, and it never went to radio. We never song. even played it live. We've never played it live. It was just for that moment oh, and man. moved on. I'm impressed that you even heard that song. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's awesome. it's one of my favorites. That's I awesome. Mean, and probably because it hit me. You know yeah. what I mean? It was the same same time period for me where I was like, "That this is how I feel mm-hmm. right now." Yeah. Like, it feels like the first time. Like, for me, and the best songs have a you know, different meaning for everybody. Yeah. Um, for me, it was like, it really feels like the first time I've, I've been this close or, yeah. or in my mind, know what it's like to be loved by God. Yeah. Well, if you ever read books, there's a book called the cure by a guy named John Lynch. Okay. That, that it, it, it's been around for a long time, but it, it, it's, that was the game changer. Like that. And, uh, there was one more, uh, um, I was one by, I can't think of the other one. God versus religion or something like that. Mm-hmm. But the cure was like, oh my gosh. Like it was, again, I, I'm not a big reader and somebody handed it to me and I was like kind of desperate and it just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. That kind of started the, ignited the whole thing. But it's, it's amazing. He's one of, it became one of our dear friends. We drag him around and whenever we can <laughs> and speak true. and stuff. But it's, that's cool. Yeah. But that's right in the middle of our keyboard player had left because he just had enough and wanted to not be on the road. Sure. I was jealous because if I leave, the band breaks up. But if he leaves, we get a new keyboard player. Right. And it was like yeah. struggling with nice. that. And 
and the, the depression was hitting and it was like that was rock bottom for us and then first mm-hmm. time was the first thing kind of when the smoke kind of cleared you gotta listen to it man yeah yeah i, need, I don't know the song That's but i've heard good. you talk about it a lot so <laughs> I, I need to i need to listen to it so as we're as we're winding down because we don't want to keep you here all evening long <laughs> but uh man i'm just i'm so curious because it seems like and you've spoken a lot to it in this conversation mm-hmm. about over the last five years and being in such a healthy place and I'm just curious, like, what are some of the things in your life that are really giving you life and, and keeping that, that spirit of freshness renewed for you? Uh, I think, I mean, currently, like, we, we took the whole summer off. It's the longest we've ever taken off just because, you know, our kids are, there's no school, and it's like, you know, Sam's going to senior year, and it just mm-hmm. was like, I'm not going to get this back. And so we had, we did one show at the Red Rocks, but other than that, we've been home since the 1st of May. Like, we're just about to start going again. And, um, and... And, and it's been the, it's been the best thing that's ever happened to me. And so it's like, just, you know, it's being, being home with my family and, and like right now with school and everybody's got like legitimate homework and, and kids are wanting to be everywhere with youth group and stuff. Mm-hmm. It is busier than I've ever been in my life, but it's like, there's just this weird joy that like, I literally just drive my kids around. Yeah, that's man. all I do. I bought a van so that their friends could fit. And that's yeah. just all I do is that's drive kids so around. Cool. I absolutely love it. And it's been so life-giving, and no one would ever know. It's so funny because all our friends are like, you know, hey, can somebody get our kids? I'm like, I got it, man. I got yeah. it. I always be an Uber driver, and I, just, <laughs> and I love driving regardless, and it's just so therapeutic and awesome. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and so that it's, I know it sounds kind of simple, but it, that's, it's been, this summer's been amazing. It's like, um, you know, and just, I mean, I'm, I'm excited about doing shows, but it's like, I'm just, I'm just in a, I'm in a good place, you know, yeah, that's I'm, awesome. and you know, we're, we're in the midst of, we're supposed to be making another record. We wrote a single, our first single, but haven't touched the rest of the album because we're, we're just not in a hurry. You know, we'll get there. Yeah, it'll but, happen. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. It's the first time in my life I never thought we've got it. We've got to get the next thing out. It's just like, it'll, it'll come. We'll be fine. That's awesome. So, that sounds like a, a good, a good framework to kind of enter the next season yeah it's yeah it's a great it's a great place it's like it's just finally in my life it's like man if, if it came to an end if i got a text saying the band's done i would not lose an ounce of sleep because i'm just I, and i'm not not saying i dislike it i just i just i just love where we are and you know and it's just a it's a great place it's, we're man. grateful that we've done it so long but just uh you know just with the, my church home and my friends and just where where life is right now is something i've probably longed for my entire life sure yeah you know just i mean um you know most proud of that i'm you know married for 21 years and have five kids that actually like to be around me and yeah. that's awesome and it's like everything that you wanted as a kid it's right. like that's that's way cooler than selling a bunch of records oh yeah, totally. yeah. you got any final uh commentary on uh, me man thanks for <laughs> making the time oh man anytime really appreciate yeah it. thanks so much you've been listening to bart millard from mercy me on the idiopod TJ Stone Shane Glover thanks so much